Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Channel. We're heard in over 60 countries around the world. So we've still got 130 more to go, but we're off to a good start. And we're the number one global business radio show for entrepreneurs. Now, we appreciate all your feedback. So keep your emails coming in. Talk to me. This show is primarily about entrepreneurs. And we're trying to provide you with information that can assist you to become more successful and, you know, to help you avoid making the mistakes that many, many other entrepreneurs and business people have made before you. There's plenty of mistakes to go around, so there's no point in making some that have already been made. So every mistake you can avoid is going to save you a hell of a lot of money and uh, enable you to be more successful. So I really do hope that you utilize all the tools you can get and as much information and advice as possible. Um, There's a radio show called Business Rockstars. It's a daily two-hour show by my friend Ken Rakowski, and that's a fantastic place to start. It's on about 150 radio stations across the country, in the US I'm talking. So there's very little excuse not to listen to it. It's five days a week, and it's just chock-a-block full of information for entrepreneurs. It's a great show and a really good entertaining listen. Another must-read is Entrepreneur Magazine. I'm not sure how much a subscription is. I've got one on my desk here, but I, I can't read it while I from where I sit. Um, but it in, includes a lot of very pointed and succinct editorials like this one, and it's a, you really should read it. Branding is one of the major pain points for entrepreneurs. It seems like it should be pretty simple, but it's really quite complex. The questions that you find that you're asking yourself are, how do I build a great brand? How do I make this brand sustainable? What will give value to my brand? What's the story I want to tell and how do I go about telling it? And the most important question of all What are the elements that I need to comprise my branding? You know, branding is so much more than just a logo or than a website or a business card or the colours that you pick. You know, they're important. You know, if you've got a dynamic company, you need a dynamic flowing um, logo and you need exciting colours. And if you're taking money off people, you want something that's more solid and Um, more subdued colours and, you know, look like you've been around for 300 years. But it's much more than that. Your brand, you know, it's your voice to the marketplace and it's your proposition for disruption, for people to latch onto you and not onto the competition. You've got to create something and say something that has lasting impact. Your brand's how you tell your story, and it's absolutely key to your success and survival. 
Now, most entrepreneurs, when you think about it, go into the marketplace without the brand, but they've got an idea or they've got a product. And of course, the most difficult part of this is to present and explain your project to others and get them enthused, enthused, enthused about it in just a couple of minutes. You know, people say, prepare an elevator pitch. You've got to tell your whole story in 30 seconds. That is really bloody hard. Trust me, I've done it a thousand times before. I had to put together elevator pitches and it is extremely difficult. You know, you, you know the project so well and you think other people should just intrinsically understand it, just as you do. But in reality, it doesn't happen that way. And that is the reason that you need to develop an effective brand message. Your brand's your story, and if you can't tell it simply, passionately, and effectively, then no one's ever going to get it. And if you think that people do not understand who you are and don't understand what you do, then you've got a major problem. If you can't communicate the value of what you bring to the market, bring to the economy, and bring to the world, then you really do have a major problem. Branding is about knowing what you stand for and how you communicate the values and character of your product or service. As a company founder, this isn't a design choice, it's a leadership decision. Your job as CEO is to know exactly, concisely and in context what you stand for. You're the sole author of your story, your mission and your reason for being. How you tell it is totally your job. Now, we've got a new richest man in the world. And it isn't me, I've got to tell you, I've got to be honest. According to Forbes, Amancio Ortega, the multi-billionaire founder of European clothes retailer Zara, has just passed Bill Gates to become the wealthiest person on the planet with a fortune just a few beers short of $80 billion. $80 billion, that's $80,000 million. That is one heap of dough. Ortega has a fascinating rags to riches story. He was born in 1936 during the Spanish Civil War. His father earned 300% as a month, which is, excuse the expression, absolute chicken shit. It's nothing. Quite often his family couldn't afford food. He left school in his teens, working his way up from the being a messenger boy in a shop. And it wasn't until he was 40 that he set up Zara as one store in Spain. And since then, it's gone from strength to strength, first growing in Spain, then Portugal, then France, then London, and now it's all over the place. We've got one just up the corner of our street. So that's a fantastic story. Didn't have enough, didn't have enough um, money to buy food, couldn't stay at school, had to start as a messenger boy, now the wealthiest guy in the world. You've got to take your hat off. So, not all billionaires have had it easy. Not all billionaires got a 
million dollars loan from their dad like Trump did. I'm not even sure that it was a loan. I think he just got given a million dollars. That's not a lot, and he has done a lot with it. But these people started with nothing. Another one is John Paul de Jouria. He had it rough right from the beginning. His um, Greek and Italian parents divorced when he was two. So between five years old and ten years old, he sold Christmas cards and newspapers to help support his family. He was um, homeless twice before he was 18 and he was eventually sent to live in a foster home in Los Angeles. He spent some time in an LA gang and then decided he should join the military. After the military, he took a job with Redken Laboratories, worked there for a little while, got a $700 loan and set up John Paul Mitchell Systems. He hawked the company's shampoo door-to-door while he lived in his car. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, some of these guys do it hard. He was, as I said, he was homeless twice, living in his car. Now, there's not a hairdressing salon on the planet that you can walk into without seeing John Paul Mitchell product. JPM Systems now has annual revenue of $1 billion. He also owns Patron Tequila, which I see every time I go to Costco. And he's got a hand in a variety of other industries from diamonds to mobile phones. John Paul DeJuria, homeless, twice, no money, borrowed 700 bucks, now worth three billion. So, you know, I want you to listen to this because all you bastards who sit around and whinge about how hard it is to make a dollar and how the world's against you and how if it hadn't have been for the rain last Thursday, you'd now be successful. You know, they're all just excuses. Get off your ass, do the hard yards, make some money. We live in a country where everybody can achieve anything they want if they want to get off their ass and do it. Richard Desmond's another one. He grew up as the son of a single mother after his parents divorced. The two of them lived in a garage. And when he was a little kid, he was really fat. And he was really lonely. He quit school at 14 to be a drummer. I love this story. This is a great story. It gets really cool towards the end. (laughs) So he quit school at 14 and he was going to be a drummer. But like most drummers, didn't make any money. So he worked as a coat checker to help pay the bills. Later, he opened his own record shops. That's pretty cool. Eventually, he published his first magazine, which was called International Musician and Recording World. He then added a British version of Penthouse, and then came the kicker. He started a magazine called OK. And you probably know OK. It's a celebrity magazine. You see it everywhere on the planet. I always grab it when I, when I see a copy. I know it's a chick magazine. But every time I see a copy of OK, I grab it. I love it. Just looking at the pictures. Well, pictures are all that's in it pretty much. 
He now owns publications around the world and is involved in philanthropic work. Now, this is the best part. He still plays with his band, the RD Crusaders. However, now that he's successful and got loads of dough, other members of the band include members from The Who and Led Zeppelin. <laughs> I love that. Richard is now worth $2 billion. How cool. There's another guy who's been getting a lot of publicity over the last few weeks. He's um, he's certainly an entrepreneur, well, kind of. When 23-year-old Brandon, nobody knows his last name, headed from Massachusetts to the Bay Area in mid-May to start work, he opted out of settling into an overpriced San Francisco apartment. As you know, apartments in San Francisco are incredibly expensive. Instead, he moved into a 128-square-foot truck. <laughs> the idea started to formulate while he was interning at Google last summer and living in the cheaper corporate housing offered, which was two-bedroom and four people for about 65 bucks a night. That's about 2000 bucks a head a month. And he thought that was outrageous and couldn't afford it on his intern salary. So he got a job full-time at Google. So he bought himself a 16-foot 2006 Ford with 157,000 miles on it, which cost him exactly 10 grand. He was able to pay the 10K up front from his signing sign-on bonus at Google. So Google gave him 10, he went out and he bought the truck and he lives in it. So he lives in the truck on the Google campus Unfortunately, you know, Google's got all these amenities. It's got showers and change rooms and bathrooms and everything on Google campus. So he lives in his truck on the Google campus and gets up and it's two minutes to work in the morning. I think that's pretty cool. Well, he's all right as long as Google doesn't start to charge him um, fees for using their parking lot, I suppose. But at the moment, he's looking good. So we've often talked about the fact that having money doesn't guarantee the success of a startup. Money's only part of it, and it's the smallest part. If you've got enough determination, enough will, and are willing to do enough things, eventually, if it's a good idea, good project, you will get it up. So surprising news out of Israel this morning is that Everything Me, a startup that raised $37.5 million, abruptly shut down. Everything.me built a nifty launcher for Android devices that adds contextual capabilities to smartphones, raised $37 million in financing from high-profile investors, including Telefonica, Mozilla, Draper Fisher-Jervinson, where my mate Tim Draper is the principal, Horizons Ventures and, Sing and Singtel, Innovate. The founders of the company have confirmed the shutdown, say, stating that Everything Me was very popular, but they couldn't 
determine a suitable business model. So they set the company up like most of these companies do, not quite sure how they're going to monetize it. They get in a shed load of money, $37 million, start the company. It's all going gangbusters. Millions of people are signing on, but then they can't work out how to make a buck out of it. That's a very common story. Now, they apparently still have a whole bunch of investor money in the bank, but have decided to call it quits and have sacked all of their 36 staff. Now, Everything Me was founded in 2010, and it remains to be seen whether another company will swoop in and acquire its assets with a, a great idea. But at the moment, looks like the end of the road for yet another startup. So money's not everything. Now, if you're not a member of the American Institute for Sales, Marketing and Management, which is the premier organization for business in the U.S., and you're really serious about improving your skill level, your status, and your network. Now, if you're, if you're not interested in improving yourself, and if you're not interested in learning more, if you're not interested in meeting more people, if you're not interested in getting the latest advice, for Christ's sake, don't join the American Institute of Sales, Marketing, and Management. Only join if you really care about being successful. So apart from being able to put the letters AISMM after your name, and receiving a great plaque that you can put in your foyer or your boardroom. Um, there's a wealth of other stuff, like latest information, complete business audits, webinar, webinars, a, an advisory board like no other on the planet. So if you want to be successful, go to AISMM.us. I'll do it again because I messed it up that time. AISMM.us and join now. My guest today is Brendan King. He's the CEO of Vend Asta. And Brendan's main focus is to help small businesses do three main very, very important things. Monitor, manage, and build your online reputation. Because reputation online now is unbelievably important and it's much more than just monitoring what customers are saying about you in reviews or social media or any other online source. It's about managing that information and building your digital presence to strengthen your brand. Once you lose your reputation online, you are screwed. So this is a subject that's really important to every one of us that's in business so I'm really interested to hear what Brendan has to say. I'm Bob Pritchard. You're listening to Voice America Business Channel, and I will be back with Brendan right after this short break. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. 
Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Thanks for being with us. This is the part of the show where we talk to very successful and extraordinary people. You know, it's damned hard to be successful out there. So I've got great admiration for people who are and people that are making a difference. There's some amazingly talented people in this world and it's great to speak to them because they've got so much that they can teach us. My aim when I'm talking to them is to try and find out what it is that makes them tick, what makes them great, what characteristics do they have that we can learn from. Now, a company's online reputation can make or break a business. Now, I've had some experience with um, online reputation. I had a, a um, group that set out to try and besmirch me, and it's, it's a, a hard thing to tackle. So just as your profit margins are critical, what people say about your company online can be of great importance to your survival. You know, a negative comment can get echoed around the world in seconds and it doesn't have to be accurate, doesn't have to be true, just has to be out there. And negative reviews are often on websites that rank high in search engines. And as I mentioned, whether it's true or not, these negative search results jeopardise your company's online reputation. And I must admit, I get online and look up a, a company and if it's got a few bad reviews... I'm very hesitant to do business with them. And uh, I know that's very shallow because you don't know whether it's right or not. Today's guest, Brendan King, he's the CEO of Vendasta, V-N-D-A-S-T-A. And Brendan's main focus is to help small businesses to do three main things. Monitor, manage, and build their online reputations. Reputation management is more than just, it's more than just monitoring what customers are saying about you in reviews or social media or any other online source. It's about managing that information and building your digital presence to strengthen your brand. So this is a subject that's really important to all of us and uh, anybody that's in business and even socially, I mean, bad reviews socially (laughs) could probably ruin your sex reputation for a start. So I'm really interested to hear what Brendan has to say. Hi, Brendan. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Thanks, Bob. Great to be here. So you're up in Canada and you're not, well, you're cold, but you're not quite freezing to death or buried under seven foot of snow yet. Well, I'm just watching a little bit of snow falling out my window right now. Uh, This is early in the season, so it's still at the stage where it's pretty. Yes, it's still exciting. Just after a couple of shovels, it won't be so exciting anymore. That's right. Now, 
You talk about how small and medium-sized businesses can create a 10 times <clears throat> digital revenue change. What does that mean? Well, I think, you know, I, I, what I would, you know, what I would say is that uh, small businesses have always, you know, and things haven't really changed as much as people think they have. It's just the, it's where the consumer are that's changed. So, you know, I, I had been in business myself back um, in, in the retail business uh, from uh, 89 to 99 in the computer retail industry. Right. And, you know, back then, uh, reputation spread rather slowly. It was word of mouth, and it was what you did in, this, in your store. And so folks would come to see you and buy computers, and the way you treated them and how you run your business really built up your reputation slowly over time. Right. Today, reputation spreads a lot quicker. It's it's you know it's like a it's like a viral disease. Remember that movie Outbreak? How yep. fast is it spread? You know, what's the rate of spread? How fast can it spread? Well, that's what reputation has become. You know, the whole sort of premise uh, about your about your brand or your reputation has changed. It it used to be that you could control it more. You know what you would say in the in your media, the way you portray yourselves, the way you treat your customers. But today, um, fortunately or unfortunately, as you uh, talked about in your introduction. It's a lot about your brand really becomes what your customers say it is. Yeah. And, you know, and sometimes people have an extraordinarily loud in, uh, voice, uh, even though they, you know, online, even, uh, even though they don't, they wouldn't in the, in the real offline world. So the way that people buy has changed. You know, it used to be that, you know, we'd spend all that money advertising in the newspaper and the yellow pages or radio and TV. And the moment of truth came when people came into the into the store and the cash register rang and you knew that the advertising was working from that. And that would, they used to call that the moment of truth on advertising. And sure. now it's changed and Google Google's really introduced what they call the zero moment of truth. And that's people, you know, they hear your advertising, what do they do? If they, if they, if, if a, sort of a, a want is instilled, you know, whatever it is you're advertising, you're advertising a car and they, gee, I would like a car. And they go and they search online. Maybe they come directly to your location, but more likely they look for, you know, that particular item or auto dealers. Yep. And, uh, two things have to happen. You know, one, they have to find you. And then they, once they find you, they, they, they look for, you know, what, what are people saying about you? What's your reputation? Yeah. And, uh, and so that that sort of becomes the zero moment of truth. And when they come now to your establishment, whether it's a restaurant or, a, or to buy goods, they've already made up their mind likely that they're going to deal with you. So, you know, the first moment of truth, the in-store experience is what happens. And then when they leave the store, they have what we call the second moment of truth. You know, they've maybe they've eaten at your restaurant or, or, they're, or they're, you know, using the, the computer they bought or whatever it might be. And now they're going to talk about that online socially. You know, they're going to post it on Facebook and Twitter and Foursquare and, you know, uh, Google else, Plus. Yeah. And they're going to, and that becomes somebody else's, so we call that the second moment of truth. And that becomes somebody else's first moment of truth. So really, you know, we focus in, um, on on a business, how can they make this digital change? They need to make sure that they're found online, because everyone's got a phone with them today, and that's where they look. Yep. And uh, and that when they're found, that their reputation is good. We call it you know the virtual uh, digital doorway or virtual doorway, but really it's the new it's the new way that people find you and and learn about you online. Yeah, I think it's one of the big differences between now and yesterday is that um, if um, you a word spread about something that you did that is negative, um, then it would peter out pretty quickly and not go very far. Today, it's up there online and it's there forever. You know, so 
Yeah. Doesn't go away. So somebody who is No, and we often say, you know, people say, should we respond to these reviews? Because we're just going to lend credence to someone, you know, if, if it's a false thing. Um, you know, I would say that you don't respond to the review necessarily for that particular person, although I, I think you should. I think but you should, But that's why, as a business owner, you respond. You respond for the next 100,000 people that are going to see that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So it... Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, somebody who's not born yet can look you up in 15 years and find a negative review. That's pretty sad. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, and it's, you know, it's damned hard. You know, the, the, I guess the other approach is not only answering it, but trying to remove it. Um, and that is damn near impossible. You know, it's really... Yeah, even if it's false. As, yeah. You know, as, even, if those, the, even if they're just spurless uh, comments. I mean, you know... I've found with bad reviews of any kind, there's usually three reasons they happen. You know, one is is there was, uh, you know, that there was uh, that you did something wrong. You screwed that up. Happens yeah. from time to time. A business owner yeah, sure. makes a mistake; they screw up. Yep. And so, you know, then then the guy writes his review, and uh, usually you can, uh, the reasonable person, you, you know, you solve it. The guy will change his review, or or at least you're responding that you've changed it. The next person comes along, says, "Well, that's reasonable. You know, I've all everyone screwed up. I I can understand that. Look at the guy responded. That's exactly what I want in the business. So it's kind of an opportunity. Yeah. The second thing that used that happens, and this is probably most common, is there's a misunderstanding. Business owner really didn't screw up. Consumer had some misunderstanding, you know, and, and so that also can be fixed. And then the third kind, and I think the kind you referred to earlier, is where you've got a troll, where you've got somebody that just can't be happy. And, yeah. you know, people that know this person will know that they're just never happy. But in those particular cases, a lot of people used to say, don't feed the trolls. Yeah. I think you still need to respond. And you need to, you know, you need to respond online and try to take it offline. So you just, you offer you to say, hey, you know, we're really sorry this happened. Give me a call at this number. And uh, because the problem with, with trolls is, is there, it's like, it's like wrestling a pig. The pig's going to get, you're both going to get dirty, but the pig is going to like it. Wrestling so that's, that's, a, re the real, rest that's the real problem. Wrestling a pig, that must be a Canadian thing. <laughs> I thought it was an Australian thing, actually. <laughs> Mate. I've been living in California 27 years, so I'm 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 past the Australian thing. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah I think wrestling a pig just doesn't sound like a lot of fun. <laughs> I think there's I think there's a fourth kind. Um, one of the um, I think something that's really common now is your competitors going out and um, discrediting you everywhere they can online. Yeah, now that's that's the evil kind, right? That's now, really that, evil, that, and it happens a lot. That's truly, that's truly despicable, and um, you know it is starting to happen more often. And yeah. you, you know, but here's what's happening: people are actually smarter than you think they are. Oh, really? <laughs> and, uh, and as especially, the, you know, I mean, generally, but especially the newer consumer. And so a lot of sites, though, are starting to, like, you know, Yelp does a pretty good job, for instance, yep. of screening out those kind of reviews to some extent, but they still get through. Um, but what, what what's happened is, is that, you know, if you try to make a review on Google Plus today uh, or Facebook, yeah. You've got your social network behind you to say who you are. Yes. So when you've got a comment coming from, and you look to see who made the comment, and he's got zero friends and he's brand new, and he's got no no credence in the community. Hopefully, those are the kind of things that can mitigate those kind of things from happening. Because you know, as a consumer, I find reviews useful. You know, yeah, I, I do too. I, if I wanted to get a, especially for things like plumbers. 
right? And so, you know, <laughs> you only need a few reviews in those cases. So you say, I only need a plumber once every, well, hopefully I never need one. But if I, if I do need one, um, I'm going to look, and if, if the guy's got no reviews, I'm probably not going to take a chance on him either. If the guy's yeah. got bad reviews, um, probably not. But if he's got reviews that I can look through and say, you know, and read a couple and say, you know what, that sounds reasonable. I yeah. think that, you know, uh, you know, that sure he had a problem here or he's got great reviews here. That hopefully, um, you know, I'd put enough time, at least in those cases, into it to find out to find out that, uh, you know, that looks like that could be a competitive review just or, or sour apples or, or whatnot. On the other side, for a restaurant or something, the review quantity is so high that, the, that the, unless the... Uh, unless the uh, the uh, competitor wants to spend an inordinate amount of time creating new profiles and trying to slag this uh, uh, competitor. They they probably won't be able to. I mean, they'll they'll be able to affect it to some degree, but you know. So so there's a little bit of uh, of, of there, but unfortunately, you're you're right. In some cases, especially for high value services, a couple of bad reviews can be disastrous. And yeah. uh, if they're from a competitor. Uh, you know, you've got not that many options to get it down. The, the best thing you could probably do is respond and say, I believe this is uh, from a competitor. Give me a call at this number. If you're not, I'd love to make it right. And, that, and, and that's about all you could do as a business, I would say. Yeah, and people, um, people are loyal to um, companies that fess up and, and repair whatever's the problem. They, they become more loyal and they become advocates and, you know, it, it, it works for you. Um, you know, I, had, I, mean, I always tell people there's no substitute to, your, to fixing your reputation than to running a good business. There just absolutely isn't. You will get your own customers coming to your defense in those, in those situations on those forums. And, you know, I, I've seen it happen oh, many times where, you know, you run a good business, you've got loyal uh, followers out there, someone writes a bad review, uh, your fans will jump to your, to your defense. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, of course... If you're a restaurateur, for example, you can um, you can retaliate by putting up your own reviews. <laughs> I, mean, the whole, the whole I thing's wouldn't recommend doing that. I, you know, but but yes, if, you know there there are, there are it's unfortunate now that be, be, you know if reviews weren't important, people would ignore them. But the fact is that they are important and they are valuable. And so all the things that you speak of, the gaming of the system, is, is out there. And um, yeah. You know, the biggest defense, I guess, again, I believe, in the future, is this idea of your social network. Right. I mean, you're connected to people that you that, that know you and say, yes, this is who he says he is. Yes. And so, therefore, that bigger, that, you know, when you have more credence to that, and I can see, in particularly reviews now, I can see two or three connections out. I can see that a friend of a friend reviewed that business. That really adds some value to, yep, to, you uh, trust. to yep. their credibility. So. What are the important metrics um, to consider when when you're evaluating your online presence? What are those metrics that you should look at? So, as I said, at first off, it's 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 just can you be found? So a lot right. of businesses. So the and this is really really important. And I can't stress this enough. And I I call this local um, search engine optimization or, or local local presence management. And those are yeah. words that small business goes. What the heck are you talking about? But he, let me give an example and tell and explain why it's important. So there's all these directories out there. Yep. It used to be you know the phone book, but it's not that anymore. Now it's Google, Yahoo, 
Bing, yep. and then it's so those are the search engine directories, and then you've got all the directory, the review sites. So you got, depending on your category, you've got Yelp, yep. you've got City Search, you've got TripAdvisor, you've got Expedia, whatever category you might be thinking There's about. If you're an auto them, yeah. you got Edmonds, yep. and and then and then you've got all the the uh, the yellow page sites, and then you've got the social sites. So one thing about that is your data has to be the same and correct in those sites, and here's why. When you go to use Google as a consumer, and I type in auto dealer in San Francisco, right. or be even more specific, BMW dealer in San Francisco, there are three or four, I think, in San Francisco, it, will, it was going to put one of those at the top of the search engine results. Right. How does it choose which one comes to the top? Well, there's a whole bunch of ways that Google does it, but one of the biggest factors is it says, if I'm going to send this consumer to this place, um, this address or this phone number, it's got to be right. Because if it's not right, the consumer is going to quit using Google. So it looks out at, at all the data for all the different BMW dealerships, and it says, where is the phone number the same everywhere? Where is the address the same everywhere? That's who I'm going to put out first to, to, to be able to get to. So small businesses, they all want to be, sh- you know, if you're a car dealership, you want to show up when someone says uh, auto dealer in San Francisco. And if you're a, if you're a shoe repair place, you want to show up. So, uh, you know, so you need the consistent data in those places. And, it's, and to be truthful, it's a mess out there. And it's a mess yeah, it is. for lots of different reasons, but the data story is a mess. But you can take control of that. So one of our, the products that we sell through our partners is the ability to take the data, put it on the main data providers out there, and send that to all of, including, you know, hours of operation and, you know, do you take credit cards and all those different right. things. Yep. You send all that data so it's the same on those sites, and you will show up first. Um, and so people will find you. And, of course, you have to make your website correct and all these other things. But once sure. you get found... Then, you know, what's your reputation like in those places? So, speaking about that, people are always complaining to me that um, Google keeps changing its um, algorithms that determine (laughs) the Mm -hmm. the search engine. So, how do you address that, or don't you need to if your information's consistent? Sure. No, no, it's yeah. So you you got it. So you got You know why Google changes it? They, they no change idea. it to make it better and to stop people from gaming the system. Right. And so really, the 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 and, and this is a hard thing for some businesses to hear. Some businesses have a big mess out there. They just say, "Well, just I just want to be top on Google." But the truth is, it, it's, it's you have to do the work to get there. And the, and the what the work is is to is to get your data correct in all those places. That's number one. Then it's to have a good web presence. Um, you know, where you put your Facebook, where you put your, you know, your phone number on the homepage, you put your Facebook on the homepage, you've got, you don't have some bunch of flash on there so that, so that the 60% of people that are looking for a small local business that are on a phone can't see it. You know, you have to look at after all these factors. So you, you know, you really need to make sure that you're easy and accessible, but it's all common sense stuff. There's no magic solution and you shouldn't, you know, unfortunately there's a lot of folks online that are saying, hey, you know, we can put you on the top of Google, all you have to do is pass. Those, those things, that's why Google changes their algorithm. Right. These things, it's all about just doing the basic work to put the data that consumers want and make it right. And that's just, it's as simple as that. So if, if you're a, a, any, sort, any sort of business out there, but let's say you're a, um, a, a little guy, you've got 50 employees or what, whatever you've got. Um, here you've got a medium that is instant and whatever, and it takes you f- forever 
to manage your online presence. I mean, you could spend your whole life, you could spend 168 hours a week managing your online presence, couldn't you? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you could. I mean, if you did it, and in fact, I think we've done some studies where, you know, to show the value of our product, because this is in fact what our product does, you, you, is part of what it does, is you take that data and you enter it in one place, and we propagate it on your behalf and do all that work for you. So that's, and you know, so that is the value of the product, it just saves a bunch of time, and, and it's not expensive, it's, uh, you know, our partners sell that anywhere, you know, it's like a hundred bucks a year in some cases, Oh well, and, and, okay. and it saves you thousands of hours of time. Very interesting. Okay, because that was going to be my next question. What does it cost? Because, um, but it, 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 am I right in saying that really a a, a person that's um, running a business and you know battling to make payroll every week and you know like ninety percent of businesses, <clears throat> um, you're much better off getting uh, a service like yours than you are trying to do it yourself. Right, and and um, I don't know if we told you, Bob, but uh, we don't sell direct. We we partner with the local media companies. So okay. it would be your local newspaper, your local Yellow Page, or your local agency that you already you know you already go to to advertise in, the, in any way. Right. So uh, so our product comes as a part of, of somebody that you already know. So uh, we get those folks to sort of look after you. Now, as a small business, I just wanted to address the point you had there. Like a lot of people say that small businesses, and we know the time starts and we know they do lots of stuff. But what we're finding is that about half of them are very technically savvy. They might, you, they might, they'll know as much as, you know, as, as you or I about how they run their business and they, they get involved in that. And then the other half are, are, are scared shitless. Oh, you know, maybe right. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> but I, they're, they're scared. I understand. So, yeah. And so uh, what we, um, what we found, though, is even the folks that are savvy, they, they, you know, they, they really want to run a business. They want to find somebody to be their, you know, their marketing department. Now, if you're, yep. if you're a small shop with two people, you know, you need that. And even if you're a big shop with 50 people, maybe you're a car dealer, you can, you can hire somebody to do it. But, and you might have that, and you can use the tools that way. So our tools are always DIY, do-it-yourself. So you yep. can use the do-it-yourself tool and still save thousands of hours if you're technically savvy. Or if you say, look, I just want someone to do this for me, that's where our partner comes in and they provide, they can do the work, you know, of course, for a fee. They can do that back-end work on behalf of the small business. But usually it's somebody who the business is already comfortable with, they trust, they're working with, and, and they can have them take care of them. So where do, where do we, how, do, how does one go about, somebody's out there saying, geez, that, like me right now, saying, geez, that sounds like a really good idea. Um, how, do I, how do I get the service? How do I get um, your service? You know, that's the hard part about I mean, being in my place. We call it being a white label or a white label platform is I would have to find, or, You'd have to you know, find I'd tell you depending where you were, who is, who is in your area. So we, you know, we partner through McClatchy. So any McClatchy newspaper, right. a Hearst newspaper, a Gannett newspaper, um, and then there would be any multitude of agencies where you might be able to go to get that product. I'll tell you what's interesting about radio, that. Some radio, TV. What, what's interesting about what you've just said is that newspapers, radio, and TV, I thought all of those uh, mediums were somewhere between feeling very ill and extinct. <laughs> <Aren't they? laughs> yeah, well, okay, let's, let's go down the this, uh, yellow pages are close to extinct and very ill. <laughs> Whereas, yeah. um, you know, the newspapers are hurting. Radio and TV are doing quite well. But in general, all of these folks, 
um, you know, realize that, that where consumers are is changing. Yeah, so sure that's, is. And that's really what it's all about. And, and so when I say an agency, most of these guys, so uh, I would tell you that of a Yellow Page company now, they've rebranded their names and changed them a bit, but yeah. almost 50% of their revenue now comes from digital products. Sure, So they're not, right. they don't like to think of themselves, and I, I shouldn't even use the term Yellow Pages. And, and newspapers um, are the trending same. that way too. They want, yeah. you know, they, they as, as, as the smaller, like if you're a bike repair shop, you really can't afford to, Put a quarter page ad in the newspaper anymore? No, and he really well, you never could. Really, you just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to look to to other people. You know, you have to look sure. to to search, and you have to look to other other digital forms of advertising, Facebook and such. So how do, how can small small businesses, medium businesses, get um, noticed on social media? How do, how do you do that? How do you, where do you start? Well, that's that is that is the problem, right? So that, like I said, some of them, you know, you can research and you can put a bunch of time in, and you can, you know, you can do that, or you can go to your the people you've traditionally advertised with, and likely if you're a small business, they're calling on you all the time. I think yeah. that a huge it was unbelievable to me how many calls these businesses are getting. Yeah. This is why we've chosen to partner with local companies you can trust. Because if someone calls you up over on the phone and says, I can fix it and make you on the first page, I can do all these wonderful promises for you, you don't know who they are. And um, and many times, you know, there's good companies and bad companies, and many times it's disappointing. So what we've chosen to do is to say we have a, what we believe is a great solution. So we've said we're going to go out to the trusted people out there. We're going to find people that want to really, truly help small, medium businesses. We're going to put our product set in their hands and, uh, and, and hopefully uh, uh, you know, make that work. So I would say, what I would say to a business today is to go to the people you already buy advertising from and say, what do you have in digital and what do you think of it? And what would yeah. you suggest? And so um, you know, that most of the time will be a good experience. At some point in time, you guys sat around a table, a board a boardroom table, and you said, okay, our product's fully developed. Now we can either go out ourselves as an app or whatever, or we can go and white label it to a whole bunch of people and see what the hell happens and put our trust in their hands. Mm-hmm. Why mm-hmm. did you choose to white label rather than go out and um, direct sell? Sure, sure. So there's a so there's a good story about that. Before before we started Vendasta, we started Vendasta in 2008. Um, we were I was with with five of the founders at a different company, right? And we built Caterpillar's Juice Global Trading System. But one of the big things we did was we built the system for realtors, and we had about 165,000 realtors using this product worldwide. Right. And um, working with realtors individually and, and, and going to market to them that way, as if they were, you know, because each one is truly a small business, sure. was, was really like herding cats. Yeah. And, um, and even though we were in a vertical and word of mouth can spread easier inside the vertical, and we did a, you know, we did a fairly successful job there. But when we started to say, hey, we want to build this reputation product and believe, you know, for backstory is we weren't building that. It was something else. We pivoted and we found this huge demand. Sure. And we looked out there and we saw there were many, many reputation products for big brands. So right. there's, you know, uh, Radiant sure. 6 and Sysmos sure. and Technology yeah. and SM2, and these things are for big brands, but there was nothing for the small business. Right. Then it didn't work and it was easy, accessible, and affordable. But we we knew that getting to the small businesses was was very, very difficult. And we, because we're a technology company, we said, we need somebody that has, you know, that has feet on the street, 
that already has an existing relationship with the SMB, yeah. that, that wants to move from the products they're selling, so whether it's print or yellow pages to, yeah. to digital, and and that and and that can you know that has a support department so that they can you know that we can train them and they can support the product. And so for us, it was kind of a natural move to say if we want to help all the small businesses, we have to do it with trusted partners. Right. Good thinking. So, who do you admire out there in the in the business world today? Who's your who's your sort of hero? Oh man, you know, I every time I read a new book, I get a new hero. But I just read uh, Peter Thiel's book, Zero to yep. One, yep. and uh, it's pretty darn good. So, uh, if anyone's listening to that, I would definitely have a, have a have a peek at that book. He's a bit of a contrarian, but. Um, you know, um, in terms of business, I, I, and I'm assuming you meant business as a yes. hero. Yes, um, sorry. That yeah. would be uh, that would be where I would. Uh, you know, I, I'm 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 pretty impressed with his thinking and what he's done. So you you're um, you look at more of a pragmatist than well, this is probably unfair, but somebody like an Elon Musk who, yeah, he's my hero. Every morning I wake up and I think. God, what's this guy going to come up with today? He sort of fits into the um, Steve Jobs mold to me. Too, right? Eh? Eli, he's, he's a Canadian, but uh, you know that Peter and uh, and uh, Teal and uh, Elon work together. They're part of the PayPal mafia, right? That's right. So they, uh, that's right. Of course. So, of course they were. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he had a different payment system, and uh, Elon started one called I think it was X something, and uh, and and uh, Peter had uh, had PayPal, and they they joined. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, you know, the things that he does are fantastic, right? Virgin Atlantic, you know, you, you got to like Richard Branson. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you just got to. Yeah, he's, he, he's certainly... Um, but, you know, the interesting thing about Branson, I mean, if you look at the Virgin brand, there's been, I think, 268 companies or something that have had the Virgin brand, and there's only been half a dozen that have been successful. All the rest have gone by the way. So it was, it was oh, interesting. Oh, you know, everyone talks about failure and some people wear it as a badge of success and there's been a lot of that lately oh I've failed and, that, and I think that I, I think that's okay but I you think know it's the, true most of the people that talk about failures they only ever talk about the ones that actually got successful so, <laughs> so it's okay to fail as long as you learn from it and rack up another success behind it so that's why what's so cool about Branson is you know he knows he, he, he's got the successes to, to be okay with the failures yeah that's right and you you certainly learn a hell you know it's an old cliche but you certainly learn a hell of a lot more from your failures than you do from your successes oh for sure <laughs> that's uh, yeah my degrees so, in physics so I always think about everything in that way you know I think uh, I think about uh, a hypothesis and how do we prove it wrong and then as we prove it wrong we don't it's not a failure it's just a step towards success failure yeah. only happens when you give up or lose that's and right well you know, <laughs> well, you know if, you, if you actually learn from every failure I should be a bloody genius <laughs> I was thinking the same thing <laughs> Brendan thanks very much for joining me on the Bob Pritchard radio show I really appreciate it now if Thank you'd you. like to find out more about Vendasta go to v-e-n-d-a-s-t-a dot com now they white label so how, if somebody goes on to Vendasta can they find out um, where uh, to find somebody who um, sells your product? Absolutely. We've got a list of partners on there. They'll have a look, and I'm sure they'll be able to find somebody that we can help them.
Great. Thanks very much, Brendan. Enjoy the snow. And I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show right after this short break. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. We're on Voice America Business Channel, and we're the number one global business radio show for entrepreneurs, and today we are broadcasting from my hometown for 27 years of Los Angeles. You know, there's an app for everything these days, but with millions of apps at our fingertips, it can be harder than ever to find the best, or even one that suits exactly what you want to do. Tech Insider has run the App 100, a hand-picked collection of the 100 best mobile apps in the world. And I thought I'd tell you about the top four. You know, social networking, of course, is one of the largest categories of apps on the list, a mark of how much they're transforming human interactions around the world. On-demand apps are a new category that has exploded in popularity, thanks largely, I guess, to the um, worldwide success of uber but there are also apps for just about everything for productivity for news for reading for health education entertainment music photography travel money shopping food and of course games the number one app in the world is Facebook's Messenger, which now has 700 million users worldwide, and it's become much more than just a way to send text messages to friends. Messengers, Messenger can now send money, make video and phone calls over the internet, send stickers and animated GIFs with ease. When Facebook's virtual assistant M becomes available outside of San Francisco, Messenger will be able to do anything from order a pair of shoes to call your cable company for you. So number one app in the world, Facebook's Messenger. And for an app that does everything, Messenger's poised to be the big winner and it is free. That's always good. In number two spot, guess what? It's Facebook which is the most downloaded app of all time, used by over 1.4 billion people. There's also a good chance that out of all the apps on your phone, you use Facebook the most. The news feed is the most coveted avenue for publishers, and many news organisations are part of Facebook's Instant Articles program, so some of their stories are hosted directly inside the Facebook app. Video in the Facebook app has also taken off, and the largest social network in the world sees the news feed consisting mostly of video within the next two years. That would explain, I guess, why uh, Facebook's so interested in virtual reality. You know, it snapped up the VR company Oculus for just a lousy $2 billion. 360 360-degree video on the news feed could be just the start of what's to come. Again, the app is free. 
Number three in the top one app, top 100 apps, guess what? It's also Facebook family. If you're not addicted to checking your Instagram feed at least five times a day, you probably know a few people who are. Instagram created not only a huge user base with 400 million active people each month, but also an entire industry of mobile photographers that brands hire to travel the world and post on their behalf. It's changed the way restaurants advertise with millions of filtered images of delicious food, changed live events are reported and how creative people share their work with the world. Instagram's proven that it's focused on what it's what's gotten it this far, which is the community. So that's the first three, all Facebook. Then number four in the top 100 apps is WhatsApp. And guess what? WhatsApp is another Facebook app. Isn't it incredible? The first, the top four apps on the planet are all Facebook. That's extraordinary. WhatsApp is used by over 900 million people around the world and a whopping 30 billion messages have been sent. Quite incredible. Another reason that WhatsApp spread quickly around the world is that it populates your friends list with phone numbers that are already on your phone and you can find a contact that works without having to look up a separate email address or username. Now, next Tuesday... I am giving a speech at to the Big Bear Chamber of Commerce, which is about 100 miles out of Los Angeles. And I'll be broadcasting the show from Big Bear at 7,000 feet. The views are absolutely spectacular. There's a very vibrant business community, loads of things to do. The scenery is unbelievably breathtaking. The village is really cool with lots of restaurants and and the Seven Mile Lake, of course, offers serenity like no other in the mountains. I'm looking forward to having a very laid-back program next Tuesday, and I'm looking forward to meeting all the business people of the region. We'll be broadcasting from Big Bear Frontier Lodge, where I'll be staying, and uh, which has got fantastic, also got fantastic views right near the ski slopes, fabulous lake, loads of attractions. So, guys, I'm looking forward to coming up there. Thank you for joining us for today's show, and we look forward to you joining us again next week from Big Bear Chamber of Commerce. In the meanwhile, remember, if you're not really pushing the envelope, if you are not living right on the edge, then you're taking up way too much space. It's easier and much more rewarding to do the impossible than it is to do the ordinary. This is Bob Pritchard. And I look forward to your company next week from Big Bear. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.